Welcome to Talking With Tech. My name is Chris Bouguet, and I'm here with Rachel Nadel. What's going on, Rachel? Not much, Chris. I have a story to share. Let's hear it. So I'm actually, I'm finishing up another AAC intensive, which I talked about, I guess, probably a few months ago now. Um, This is like a new thing that I've been doing with clients. And basically, it's just like, let's, instead of me seeing you once a month or like every other week or just doing random check-ins, it's like a two, typically around two-week period where we like, get real intense. (laughs) So basically I like try to set up, um, sessions with all of us students, like primary communication partners. Um, you know, sometimes I'm not able to interface with everybody, but, um, you know, like of course parents are part of that, um, team, like a school SLP, hopefully, or any other type of private SLP, ABA is typically a big one that I interface with because they just typically get so many hours with kids. Um, A nanny, if there's a nanny involved. And so I'm finishing up this like intensive I just did with a family. And I just have to say that like, they're so effective. (laughs) I mean, I'm like really like shocked. Like every time I like finish it, I'm like, wow, like the progress you can see is, is amazing. And what it just shows us is that it's not the student, right? It's not the student typically. When we're not seeing gains, it's the circle of support, right? It's the exposure. It's the aided language input. It's the strategies of, you know, the communication strategies that we're teaching, the AAC specific strategies that we're teaching. Um, and so, I just feel like every time, I don't know why I'm so surprised, but I'm like, whoa, like, look at this kid go. Like, this is a kid who hasn't really made a ton of progress. And now he's making a ton of progress. And so it's just like every time I check in, it's like super exciting because it's like one new thing that he's did. We're doing a lot of asynchronous video, which Chris, you know, I talk a lot about um, using video in order to effectively coach communication partners. You know, of course, it's if it's possible to coach in real time, great, but that's not always possible. And also students don't always like, you know, perform, (laughs) if you will. And so sometimes it's just not a good moment. It's like, oh, they had school all day. They're super tired. Like I can't get them out of their bed. That's fine. We always have some videos to fall back on. Um, and it's really cool throughout the intensive process, how you can, you know, track those videos over time. Um, and you also can have a running documentation, right, of where a communication partner started. And then, you know, after the two weeks is up where they finish. So I've just been really loving this intensive process. And I mean, it's very tiring, like from like a, you know, scheduling standpoint, just like me having to like be, you know, it's, it's intense on me because I'm the one doing all of the training and all the interfacing and I'm having a lot of the same conversations. But what's nice is the, as the clinician and the practitioner, I really feel like I know these kids. Like afterwards, I'm like, I know exactly, you know, what kinds of goals we should be working on. And of course, I always kind of give strategy and goals and things like that. But like, I feel like I really know these kids. And I'm like, I know how you learn because we've tried some things. It's like trial and error oftentimes with like troubleshooting. Like, well, maybe we should use vocabulary builder list. Or what if we use, you know, vocabulary builder list with two words? Or what if we use it for with five words? Or what if we do this or that? You know, we're kind of problem solving and troubleshooting shooting as we go um and then it's like I come out the other side and I'm like oh like this is exactly what we need to do moving forward to keep moving the needle so it's just been like a really cool process and I'm really 
excited because it just feels like we don't have to, you know, spend years and years just kind of doing this like trickle effect, right? It's like, oh, we touch base with Rachel every once in a while. It's just like, let's get in there, let's do things. And then like, let's like, you know, get off on the right direction. And then people kind of take the ball and run with it, which is kind of like the whole, the whole point of this in my initial stages was like, okay, like how can I do something where everybody's on board? And it's like, it's a really a lot of work up front that pays off later. Right. And so that's kind of where I'm at with the end of this like intensive and I feel like I've seen such improvements in the student, in the communication partners. Everybody also has this like buzz of energy because like we've all been on the team where like kids not making progress and everyone's like deflated and like, oh, like whatever. I don't even know if this is going to work. He never uses a device. Like it's just this like clunky thing that just feels like extra work and it's not working. And so now everyone's like super excited. Like I was on a call yesterday with a teacher and we ended up going over our scheduled time and she's like, oh, can I show you this like this video? Like, I'm super excited about this video. And so she showed me the video and it was like, of course, this student like initiating independently. We've been working on the, having the student go and like kind of get his device because he wasn't really initiating anything. Um, he was waiting for a prompt and then just following imitating prompts and required a lot of like encouragement. But you know, when we found something super motivating for this student, then I was like, okay, like put the device a little further away, turn the device around. See, and he's like whipping the device around. He's like going and getting, he's looking for it. We like, you know, put it behind him and he's like finding it. And so anyway, like this, this teacher was really excited. She's like, look what he did. Look what he did. And so it's just like, what a great way to build momentum in a team and to really inspire like, you know, progress and hope that like things can get better. And I feel like that's like the best part is that everybody has this energy of like excitement everyone sharing videos like yeah did you see this and it's just like it's so fun as a practitioner to like see those gains and to see like see like it does work like AAC does work when you have the right support and you're you know you're doing all the Ada language input and you have like a vocabulary strategy and you coach communication partners like it works it really works Chris (laughs) so Rachel let me ask you do you envision this as the way moving forward? Like, so some new person calls you as a new referral and they say, hey, I want to get involved with the Rachel Madel SLP LLC company and I want my son or daughter to participate in therapy. You go, okay, here's what I do. I do a two-week intensive at first and then we develop a plan from there. And then uh, three months in, we have another two-week intensive just to get everybody back on the same page. And then, so I picture this chart like a heartbeat, you know, like boom, spike, heartbeat beat and then it's like flat less boom another heartbeat and so that you can touch base with them like you feel like this is your move moving forward well it's really interesting because i actually started setting up like my assessment process in a similar way and we've talked about this on the podcast before but i was just finding that like i wasn't seeing the progress that i wanted to see and i was because i wasn't doing enough training with families so families will always want to come for the tool right they're like we want ac we don't know what to do like find the right tool the perfect tool you know the fallacy of the perfect tool that like doesn't actually exist um, you know, the perfect tool is the tool that everybody knows how to use and can, you know, provide aided language input on. 
So anyway, people were coming for the perfect tool. And I'm like, okay, this, I'm not a traditional like practice that does traditional assessments. Like you, we can do a traditional assessment and I can write you, you know, a 25 page report and like you can have it. But what I'd rather spend my time doing is trialing technology and teaching you along the way and your entire team along the way. And so now it's mandatory. Like if you want me to assess your child for AAC, you have to also book all of the trainings. Um, so I typically do, you know, two hours of like trialing and depends. Sometimes it, it takes more than that um, to find a tool to start off on. Sometimes we have to pivot because I'm like, that's not, I don't know that that's the right tool. Um, you know, it kind of just depends. But then like mandatory within like, you know, four weeks after I do the trialing and I'm like, oh, I think this could be a good tool. And the, the team kind of is like, yeah, this feels good. Then I have four sessions after that where I follow up. And then I, you know, talk with families about kind of how much support they want. And it kind of, I gauge how much, you know, the ABA company knows some of these ABA companies that I work with, they already know me. Like they know me on like, you know, first name basis. And so I've trained a lot of them before, um, you know, other companies, it's like, we were brand new. So it kind of just depends, but I've already kind of started doing the like intensive upfront right after I, you know, find a good tool that I think would be, um, suitable for a child. But yes, I feel like this is something that I want to explore further because Typically, the way people use me now is more of like a consult basis, which like I'm fine with giving input every once in a while, but it's just not really showing me the gains that I want. And and I don't really have the capacity, like I have clinicians and things like that who can take over some of the therapy and like the weekly intervention. But oftentimes I'm just kind of like more of like a consult only like situation so that I can help as many families as possible. But yeah, I do think this intensive makes a lot of sense. And especially if like families aren't seeing progress, which I feel like all of the intensives I done, I've done so far, like that's kind of like we've, it felt like we were like at a plateau. Actually, it wasn't even a plateau. It was like kids not using the device at all. It's not like they were using it like a little bit. It was like, oh, like we're really not using this. And so it was like those families specifically. So, you know, it kind of just depends. But I feel like if you're seeing a plateau, like, I really need to interface with everybody. And then it's like, it's like these like aha moments. I'm like, oh, like this is why it's not working, right? We're, we're doing too much prompting. Like we're never backing up and like letting a child like have to, like tempting them and just waiting to see if they'll communicate with us, right? Um, they're not, we need to really like hone in here on initiation, not building out more vocabulary. Like we can keep building out vocabulary all day long, but if it's only prompt dependent, right? It's only vocabulary that's used when a child's told to use it or asked a question, you know, or pointing to the device or modeling on the device. And like, I don't want to keep building out vocabulary. I want to build initiation, right? So it's like those aha moments happen during these intensives. And I'm like, oh, this is what we need to really hone in our energy on. Or this specific skill is something that I think the team as a whole needs to improve on in order for us to see the outcomes. So I could see a public school speech therapist listening to our podcast right now going, oh my gosh, I love this. I want to do this too. But feeling the barrier of their practical strategy, like meaning, 
okay, if I were to have an IEP meeting, typically I might write an IEP meeting for the year, and I would say 60 to 90 minutes a week, and that would run for the entire year. And so my first thought there is, well, you don't have to do that. You could write for these couple months more time or these couple weeks more time, and you could have multiple service options as a, as a way of writing it into the IEP. But then the trick, I think, would come into actually scheduling that time. So let's ask, how were you able to adjust your busy calendar and schedule and therapy time to make it so that, like, like, what do you do with the other kids that you already have scheduled during those times? Do you push? Do you reschedule? Do you, like, I need to build in time for this intensive, but you've already got a schedule that you're doing that on. What do you think is a, a way people could do that or how you did it? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a few things that, like, you should consider. The first is, like, having having the, the regular time potentially to, like, at least dedicate to that. So I, like, I do have built-out times in my schedule that are more flexible, so I'm able to do an assessment or have a meeting or, you know, so I have that flexibility. Um, I definitely had to like rearrange some kids um, just because like the way the scheduling works out is really challenging because it's like, oh, he only has ABA from this time to this time. And he only has this from this time to this time. I will say, I think that you can do this on a really small scale by choosing a communication partner and not waiting for an entire month to follow up with them. I think that what needs to happen and what I'm finding success with with the intensive is like the first call, and I typically do 30 minutes at a time. The first call is just like, hey, how's it going? Where are some like areas that we could improve that you're like feeling like not sure about the device? Any questions that you have initially about the device? Um, and kind of like, you know, figuring out where I need to do some teaching, um, watching some videos of them engaging with the student. And it's like, oh, like here, I feel like they need to really learn to pause, right? They're jumping in way too soon. We're not giving enough time. We're not tempting and pausing. And so then it's like, okay, let me overtly teach. And I, I'm thinking about our coaching course, Chris, which we're actually presenting tomorrow together. Um, Cause I'm like, uh, I do some consulting, right? Um, I teach the strategy and then, you know, I have like a moment where I'm like, okay, between now and next week, right? We have seven, you have seven days to think about what you're gonna do, think about what we talked about and then record yourself practicing that strategy, record yourself with this specific thing, um, you know, and sometimes they get real specific. I brainstorm with with a communication partner. What specific activity, what reinforcer are we going to use? If we're going to work on the word eat, then like what food, um, you know, what time of day, like all those things. So it's like very much mapped out. And I'm like, okay, you think this is possible between now and next week? And then it's like that accountability piece, like crap, I'm going to see her next week. Like I have to do this between now and next week. But then it's like you have success, right? So I like then follow up next week and it's like, great. Like I have a chance to reinforce right away what they're doing, what they're doing well. And I'm like, oh, I love the way you're modeling here. I love this, this, and this, um, you know, here, maybe for next time, think about this. And so I feel like just having like, instead of doing an hour training, splitting it up between 30 minutes and 30 minutes from one week to the next, I feel like is a very like, you know, pretty simple thing that you could do um, when you're thinking about how you could do this at like a, a smaller scale. You don't have to be super intense like I've been, but like I feel like that in and of itself can probably help a lot. 
And a lot of that stuff can be done asynchronously, right? I mean, you can leave feedback and comments on videos so that people can kind of internalize that so that when you do get together in a synchronous fashion, you can maximize that time and you're not spending time watching a video together, right? I mean, or, or you're hyper-focusing on certain segments of the video. 100%. And that's the thing is like one of the sessions, you know, for whatever reason was like the the person wasn't able to be there. It was like a last minute like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't make it. And so I was like, it's fine. You've uploaded videos to our shared spreadsheet. And what I did was I pulled the video up and I started uh, a loom, which is just a tool that I use. Screencastify is one of them. Screencast-O-Matic. They're all like the same essential idea, right? Which is like I can record myself and my screen so that I'm able to pause and see right here, like this would be a really great opportunity instead of asking a question to just wait, tempt him with those cookies or whatever it is. And so I send that off. And that's like, you know, it's like we're, we're not missing a session because like you weren't able to come. I still was able to give you the feedback. Um, it's not as interactive, right? It's nice to have that back and forth to ask some of those reflective questions and to really like get in there and do some like real coaching. But it's not like all time is lost, right? And a lot of people I think could find some time to carve out in their schedule for asynchronous feedback. Um, I'm just like a big fan of using the videos because I just feel like it's so efficient, it's so powerful. And so if you can get people on board with the videos, then it makes a huge difference. So our interview today, Rachel, is with a fellow entrepreneur. Is that right? Yes. Uh, I'm super excited. I had the chance to interview Lydia Dolly. She is an AAC user. She is a boss lady. She is doing really amazing things for our field. Um, she's also in the middle of a Kickstarter campaign. So by the time you listen to this, this episode... Her Kickstarter is about to end and she needs to raise $10,000 in order to make a product. Um, she talks about it on the on the interview, but she's making, um, she wants to make a stylus called Nad Pen. Essentially, she was having a really hard time activating her device. The styluses that were out there on the market weren't as uh, useful uh, to her. And so she was like, you know what? I'm going to create my own. Um, and so I would love to support her. I've already donated to her Kickstarter campaign. Uh, we're definitely going to link to the show notes so you guys can check it out and and uh, definitely give her a little donation if you can. Um, how cool is it that we can support an AAC user who's an entrepreneur who's trying to make an accessible stylus. I just love that. It's like everything this podcast stands for. And I also contributed to the uh, to the Kickstarter campaign. And I think even if you can't financially now sharing the Kickstarter campaign, you might find somebody who can. So, so make it a thing that you share this because there's only a few days left before the time is up. And she's inching towards this goal. Um, and maybe there's a chance she'll get it even before this podcast comes out. But Either, even if not, um, I mean, even if she has, even more couldn't hurt. Please head over to talkingwithtech.org. Check out the show notes for this particular episode where we'll have a link to the Kickstarter campaign. And without further ado, let's listen to Rachel's interview with Lydia Dolly. Here at Talking With Tech, we're excited to partner with Smiles for Speech. This organization provides children with special needs living in impoverished communities the intervention and resources needed to help children reach their full potential. 
Smiles for Speech aims to provide long-term sustainable solutions for children worldwide. Their mission is to distribute educational materials, provide training to teachers and families without access to appropriate intervention, and to create global awareness on the importance of therapeutic services to support children in need. With your help, Smiles for Speech will continue to broaden their reach in assisting children living in disadvantaged communities gain access to the therapy services and education they need to thrive. To support this organization, go to smilesforspeech.org to learn more about this organization and to offer your support. That's smilesforspeech.org. Welcome to Talking with Tech. I'm your host, Rachel Madel, joined today by Lydia Dolly. Lydia is from Decorah, Iowa. She has mixed cerebral palsy and uses AAC to communicate. She is the chief executive officer and founder of Click Speak Connect, where she consults with speech language pathologists, teachers, parents, and clients in access methods, faster access, device experiences, in order to help individuals with learning new apps and acquire language skills related to AAC. She's in the process of launching a new product called NADPEN, a stylus device adapted for multiple grips with interchangeable tips for manipulation of any mobile device. The product is expected to launch this year. Lydia, thank you so much for being here. This has been too long. We've been talking about having you come on the podcast, and now I'm super excited because you're about to launch this product. Let's start off by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and the AAC system that you use. Thank you for inviting me on to do this, Rachel. My name is Lydia Dolly. I'm from Decatura, Iowa. I'm the Chief Executive Officer and Founder of ClickSpeak Connect. I have a condition that is called Cerebral Palsy. I have had Cerebral Palsy since birth. Last May, I graduated from the University of Wisconsin in Whitewater with my Bachelor's of Science in Liberal Studies with Special Interest in Communication Sciences and Disorders. Since COVID hit us, I had to move back home with my mom, which is always fun. I think I drive her crazy because I always am doing something or I want to go do something. I'm a social person, so I miss having people around. Since I graduated from Wine Water, I started a consulting business called Click, Speak, Connect, and it keeps me busy. Lydia, you're a, a boss babe. That's the one thing from your bio. I was like, oh, man, like this lady's doing lots of cool things. Um, And so I really connect with that because, as you know, I'm a business owner. I own a practice. I have an online, you know, business. And so it's super exciting to connect with another fellow entrepreneur. Um, Really excited to have you on today to talk all about your business and also your new product, which is that what you're using right now, Lydia? Are you using the NADPEN? Yes, I am. This is the last V E R version that we're 
we made we're on a new V version because we fixed the I N K kings so it's ready for everyone to use yes i am this is the last version that we made here on a new version because we fixed the kings so it's ready for everyone to use i love it i love it we're definitely going to talk more about that product soon um, i'm really excited to to chat with you and as someone who also creates resources i know it's like in iterations of development right you like use it and you're like oh this isn't exactly what I want. We need to tweak some things. Um, so the process can be quite long. Um, but I think that's part of the process, right? Is like going through and figuring out how to improve to make it better. Um, so anyway, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But first, I want to talk about your experience as an AAC user. Of course, a lot of listeners of this podcast, they support individuals who are learning to communicate through AAC. Um, so what has your journey been like throughout the AAC process? I have used multiple different ASC devices. I got my first device when I was four years old, and it was a Dynavox. I had to use my hand, which it wasn't easy, and I didn't have much control. Then I got my second ASC device when I was in second grade. It was a Mercury with word power on it. I ran it with my joystick on my wheelchair. Then I got an eye gaze device when I was in eighth grade. I was so much faster with it. I had a low-tech communication board that I had to use because I had to be in my wheelchair to use my device. But I got high glasses and it threw off the calibration. So I had to use my joystick on my wheelchair for my mouse. When I was a junior in high school, I wanted something faster, so my mom called her friend who was ASLP who lived in Arkansas. Here it was John, Halloran, and he put lamp words for life on my iPad, and it changed my life for the better because this has been the most independent I've ever been. I am so thankful that my parents allowed me to be independent. They always believed I could achieve anything. They encouraged me to always go with my gut feeling and believe in myself. Oh, man. First of all, Lydia, I, I think what I love about your story is that 
it's been such an evolution, right? I think oftentimes we feel super, you know, constricted to this one system. And, you know, every experience that I've had talking to AAC users who are adults, um, it's never been that, right? Like technology evolves, um, you know, you kind of learn more about yourself and what is easiest for you and what works the best. Um, You know, and so it's just really great to hear, you know, from a user how, the process kind of evolves over time. And it sounds like your parents were a really integral part of that process, really advocating to make sure that you felt like you had a system that you could use and that you could, it could launch you into becoming independent, an independent communicator, but also just general, generally having independence because they kind of are one in the same, right? Yeah. Amazing. And John Halloran, I mean, he's a big name in AAC. So that's amazing. You had like an all-star SLP helping guide the way. Um, Super exciting. Super exciting. Um, What advice would you give to either parents of AAC users or clinicians? We have a lot of parents and clinicians who listen to this podcast. Um, What kind of gems of wisdom would you share about AAC and teaching communication through AAC? Practice, practice, practice. Involve your AAC user in the decision-making if they're able to. Let them try different access methods and play with it. I'll tell you that every access is different for everyone. I struggled with speech therapists, teachers, and AAC companies wanting me to fit inside their box for each device and access method. I didn't work that way. My mom would tell them, Just give her time and she will figure out if it's going to work for her or not. If something doesn't feel right, the AAC user won't use it. Let your AAC user be in charge of their device if they can. Nothing bothered me more than speech therapists and teachers programming my device with what they thought I wanted to say. When I was younger, I wanted to use the slang my peers were using and not talk in perfect adult sentences. Also, do not force your AAC user to be restricted to one way of communication at a time. I will, in a conversation, use my voice, my device, or gestures to make my conversation flow faster. If your AAC user is frustrated with communication, don't give up. Keep trying different things. Incorporate peers or siblings to help so it is fun. You dropped a lot of wisdom there. Like I feel like I need to go back and talk about all the different things you said because it's really amazing. I love this idea of trying multiple access methods because, you know, as we can tell from your journey, right? It took a lot of trial and error and then even to the point where now you've created your own product to access your device even faster, uh, which is so cool. Um, And it just shows the kind of dedication and diligence, um, you know, to really being able to become efficient, um, an efficient user, which is amazing. I, of course, love incorporating siblings and, you know, having kids sound like their peers is something that I always advocate for, um, you know, because we want that social acceptance piece, right? Um, You know, if if, uh, device users using 
very formalized language. I, I hate when people program like, hello. Like, who says hello? Everyone says like, hey, what's up? You know, and so it's such like, that's a perfect example of how like we need to use language that's socially accepted. Um, and so that means like listening to peers, what are peers in the classroom saying and being able to give access to, you know, slang and language like that. Something I always talk about. So I'm happy you touched on that um, because I think that's a huge piece. Um, I also loved when you talked about, you know, kind of being frustrated by individuals and adults and SLPs and teachers programming what they thought you would want to say. Um, I think that that's such an important piece. And it also ties into that literacy piece, right? Like we want to teach generative language and really the tool to opening up a user to be able to say whatever they want to say is literacy, is teaching, reading, and writing. Um, because we can only anticipate so much what another person, human being, wants to tell us. Um, and so I think that those are all really amazing points that you kind of reiterated. Um, these are things that I've been talking about for a while and, you know, the speaking engagements that I do. But let me tell you, it sounds real, like a lot better coming from an AAC user themselves, uh, which is why I'm so excited to, to showcase your experience and to have you come on our podcast. So really awesome. Now let's talk about the dark side. What has been the challenging aspects of AAC um, and things that have just been, you know, a struggle um, or roadblocks potentially? I would say my biggest challenge is that my communication isn't fast enough. My family and friends understand me when I talk and I wish the rest of the world could because I always have a lot on my mind. I think that that's like, I, so I asked this question, especially when we have AAC users come on the podcast, and that's the number one thing is like, just give me enough time. Don't like, you know, move on or start talking to my parents instead. That um, has to be so frustrating because it's like you have something to say. It's just like, give me some time to like get it out, you know, and, and formulate. Um, I, I can't imagine how frustrating that is. Um, and what I'm excited about is that, you know, the more episodes with AAC users we have saying those same things, hopefully we can spread the message. Just pause and wait and give enough wait time because um, I think those strategies can be really helpful. And, you know, the more we can share about how to, you know, engage and have conversations with AAC users, um, I think the better. So I'm really excited that you shared that. And maybe we'll pull that clip for social media to really like drive the point home. Like, yes, like everybody wait. <laughs> okay. So let's transition a little bit. Thank you for sharing all your amazing experience just as an AAC user, because I think that's really valuable for clinicians and parents um, listening. But now I want to talk about your business because I'm a business lady, like I already said, and you are too. So tell me a little bit about Click Speak Connect. That's the business that you started this, was it started this year? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so tell me a little bit about why you decided to start this business and explain what the business looks like and how, you know, you're able to help. I started Click, Speak, Connect because I want to change the way speech and language pathology is practiced today. I want it to be about the AAC user and opening doors for them and giving them options of using a device, their own verbal language, no matter how limited, 
handmade speech boards and even spelling words in the air with their hand or fist. I want to help AAC users to feel free and engaged in their own communication. One of the services that we provide is where I do one-hour Zoom sessions with kids and adults who use AAC devices. I realize that kids need that peer-to-peer -peer relationship with someone who they can relate to because they get enough of therapies where they are being asked to work on something. With the sessions that I do, it is like hanging out with a friend more than working with a client on A. B, C, and D. Yes, we practice social skills, such as taking turns talking, waiting for each other to type on our devices, and eye contact. But we have a lot of fun with it. We play games. I have created games that we can play on our devices where we can answer or ask questions just like other kids when they play games. I have seen so much progress in my clients in just the seven months that I have been working with them. I have a client who has a hard time sitting still for a long period of time, but when I meet with her, she will sit for a whole hour. I'm so proud of her and each one of my clients. I really feel like I am making a difference. I can see it in the excitement on their faces and in their communication. They're gaining confidence and now they feel comfortable communicating. It's amazing for all of us. Ah, oh, how heartwarming is that? And that's like why we do what we do, right? Is like we really want to help people. And I have to say that I, I can only imagine having AAC users see you and learn from you um, what a great mentorship role that you probably play in their lives to see an AAC user, um, you know, using language and communicating effectively with a device um, is, is way more powerful than, you know, a, a, an SLP working with a student, like you said, on just like discrete skills. Um, and so it sounds like you kind of add the element of the socialization piece. Um, and I'm sure, like I said, it's very powerful for people who are AAC users to look to you and say like, yes, like one day I will learn how to communicate as seamlessly and beautifully as Lydia. Um, and I think that that's super powerful and, and really, I'm sure a huge need in our field, um, you know, having that I feel like I want to send you clients, Lydia. Like I have a few clients right now who are like, you know, adolescent, um, adolescents and older uh, and young adults. Um, and that's the missing piece is like we can teach just like grammatical markers and all these things. But it's like, how do we teach how to use that in a social context? Um, and even better, how do we have AAC users communicating with each other um, and learning and growing f with each other? Um, so I'm going to send you I'm going to send you some referrals. Lydia. <laughs> I have a few I have a few kids in mind that I can send your way. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about NADPEN. Let's circle back to NADPEN because I'm really excited for this um this this tool that you've created and it sounds like it came because you know you needed a more efficient way to activate your screen. Um, so can you just tell our listeners a little bit about the product and why you decided to launch it? 
We are creating a new product called NatPen, and NatPen is a stylus for the iPad or any mobile device. I created it because since I have cerebral palsy, it is hard to use the other styluses because they are too thin, and I press down so hard that I rub the rubber ends off. I designed the NatPen so it is more thicker to hang on to and your hand doesn't slide down. I also designed an ad pen that it has a bigger end on it, that it is more secure, and it is easier to press down to select. The ad pen has a wrist strap on it, so the user doesn't have to worry about dropping it and picking it back up. In October of 2020, I met a speech-language pathologist assistant at one of the schools that I spoke at, and he was interested in making a prototype. And this is one of the prototypes that I'm using. I called it NADPEN because the letters NAD is the initials of my dad, Nathan Arthur Dolly. On November 5th, 2017, my dad passed away from a heart attack. So by doing this, I want to help carry his legacy with my brother. Mm. Well, I'm so sorry to hear about your father, but I, let me tell you, he has to be so proud looking down on you and all the things that you're accomplishing. Um, I'm really excited to share as much as I can about this awesome product. I also love how cool it looks. It's like super fun looking. <laughs> so it's not like a boring, like you guys are just listening to this. You can't see it, although we'll probably share some videos from this interview. Uh, but it's really cool looking too. It's like fun and funky, which I love. Um, it also serves a really great purpose. Um, so I'm super excited to share. How do our listeners who are excited to get involved, how can they help support this? Now we are at the stage where we are ready to go into production and we are needing extra help with the cost of production. All of the information on how you can donate is on our website at www.clickspeakconnect.com. We are so thankful for the support. We are very excited for the future. Well, I'm definitely going to shout it from the rooftops, Lydia, because I would love to support you in all your endeavors. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners would love to support an AAC user entrepreneur who's making the world a better place with the technology that you're creating. Um, so we'll definitely link to your website in the show notes. Um, it sounds like it was clickspeakconnect.com. Um, and I would definitely encourage all of our listeners when you're thinking about who you want to support and what organizations, this is a really good one. Um, and you're doing really amazing things, Lydia, both with all of the consulting work that you're doing with clients, but also with the you know creation of this product. I'm super excited to see how it goes as you continue down this kind of launch journey. Um, I'm sure it's going to keep kind of twisting and turning in different ways that you didn't expect. Um, but I'm really excited to be able to share it with our audience. And um, again, I definitely would encourage you guys to go to the website and, and donate so that we can get this product launched. So let's transition a little bit. Do you have any stories? People love stories. So I always ask that question because I can't tell you like how many funny or heartwarming stories that I hear. So are there any stories that you have to share, Lydia? Mm-hmm. 
My hometown was four hours away from my college. My parents had a hard time with me going to college so far away, but they also believed in me. It hasn't been easy. I had problems with my wheelchair, and it would turn off and I was stuck, couldn't move. My iPad battery died, so I couldn't ask anyone for help. A gal stopped and she wanted to help me, but couldn't understand me when I tried to tell her the override switch was on the back of my wheelchair on the bottom. So she called the campus police. They came and they were pushing buttons and looking my chair over and they finally hit the right one and my chair turned back on. Well, my parents freaked out when they read my Facebook status because I posted I had only been at college two months and the cops were called on me. Oh my gosh, Lydia, I love this story because it's just like, I also, what I love about this is that you like, your parents found out from a Facebook post that like you, the the cops have been called. (laughs) That's such a college thing to do. You really lived a great college experience having the cops, having the cops come and then posting about it on Facebook. (laughs) But I think that like the the kind of moral of the story uh, or the, the consideration here is like, we need to make sure we have that device charged and like backup. Now it's so nice to have those like backup batteries um, to be able to, you know, have because that's a very common thing, but it's in even more integral when you have some type of technology hiccup, um, you know, so it feels like that was the perfect storm of things that you didn't want to happen at once. Um, so yeah, I'm happy that you were able to figure that out. Um, but it also, you know, is just important to kind of think about Um, think about these things because I think sometimes we forget um, you know how important that is yeah okay this question if you listen to this podcast you know when I interview people I always ask if you had a billboard that everybody could see what would your billboard say my motto always has been prove them wrong I've had people always saying I wouldn't be able to do things. So I've always been fueled by those words and had to prove I might have to do it differently, but I can do anything. So I would have to say my billboard would say prove them wrong. I love that, Lydia. And it's so inspiring to see all that you've done. You really have proven probably a lot of people in your life wrong. And it's just like what an inspiration and encouragement, especially for parents out there who, you know, perhaps have providers or teachers or SLPs who have told them that, you know, their child is, you know, too low for high tech or, you know, all these limiting beliefs, um, to hear that and to remember, um, you know, I love that motto because I just think it speaks to, you know, never giving up and, and more importantly, believing in yourself. Um, and it sounds like you had that very early on with your parents, always instilling that in you. Um, and I think as providers, that's something that we also can hold on to and really instill in the clients that we work with. So I just love it. I love that billboard. I want that billboard to be made. Maybe we'll make a t-shirt, Lydia. We're, the, we're entrepreneurs, right? We can like create a business out of this. <laughs> 
Amazing. Well, thank you, Lydia, so much for coming on. I really can't tell you thank you enough for sharing your experience. I'm super excited to see how your business ventures unfold. Um, and we really appreciate you sharing all your insight on this podcast. Um, I'm really excited to, to launch this and to showcase all of your experience and all the great, cool things that you're doing. Thank you for having me and sharing my life and company. Amazing. Well, you'll have to come back and talk to us, Lydia, because I had so much fun. Um, and I, we'll have to know. I want to know how this all unfolds with NADPED and all the things. So if you guys are listening, go to clickspeakconnect.com, donate for you know resources so that we can get this product made. And thank you again, Lydia, for coming, for talking with tech. I'm Rachel Madel, joined by Lydia Dolly. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will talk to you guys next week.